Oh, hello, everybody. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. I just want to introduce you to the RIP podcast. This is a brand new music-based podcast, uh, and I'm joined by Barnaby. How are you doing today, buddy? Yeah, hello, everyone. Yeah, I'm doing very well, Stephen. Just currently sat at home, like everybody else should be, and um, just watching the world go by from my one window. How about yourself? Mm, well, I don't think you even need to ask that, mate, because I'm pretty much in the same boat as you. Yeah. <laughs> do you see what as I did? As everybody there? else Cause... should be, and if you're not in the same boat, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, I should point out that uh, you're actually an individual that lives on a boat, so that uh, that has a literal sense to it. That's yeah, it, in it the same yeah, boat. Absolutely. Yeah. See what I did <laughs> see there. See what I did there. Yeah. So uh, again, thank you very much for anybody who's just tuned in or um, may have just clicked on this weeks later. But um, yeah, we're actually a brand new music-based podcast, uh, bringing you all there is to know about up-and-coming records, upcoming, soon-to-be-coming, uh, within the rock and mental, metal world. I said mental world then. <laughs> oh, man, that is probably, <laughs> so, probably going to be a bit mental. Yeah, well, clearly I've uh, 2020s rubbed off on me that much. I can't <laughs> help but use these trigger words at the moment. But uh, yeah, again, we really appreciate you uh, checking us out, and we hope you won't be disappointed. Anyway... Uh, I thought we'd crack on just with a bit of um, a bit of news, if that's okay with you, Barnaby. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's been a fair amount of news going around in the past few weeks with regard in the rock and metal community. Yeah, well, some good and some, well, actually not good. Some, some, some all right, and then some news is just horrible. Yeah, I don't really think there's been much in the way of good <laughs> news, considering how the start to this year has been. But no, we'll get I mean. On to that. We're recording on the 9th of January, so about nine days into the uh, the new year, and uh, it's been a bit hectic, needless to say. I mean, uh, it's definitely 2020 has rubbed off on 2021 quite a bit, I feel, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I'll agree with that 100%. Yeah, but uh, again, we're not a political podcast, so we're not going to talk of anything about, you know, crazy Americans and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I, I wanted to start, uh, start off by... Uh, bringing up something that I had read a few days ago. So, um, you know, unless, you, unless you've been in a coma or living under a rock for the last uh, 13 months, everyone will be aware that the world is stopped at the moment. You know, we're in a position right now where life is different to how we've known it. You know, we, we can't go and do the things we enjoy. We can't, uh, you know, can't go to live events. We can't do anything of that nature yep. uh, because of a little thing called COVID-19. Um but as a New Year's resolution, as I remember telling you, Barnaby, uh, my resolution was to remain optimistic, positive, hopeful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, I got into an article the other day about uh, the future of live events in 2021. And uh, it was quite interesting just sort of looking into the, the, the thinking, the amount of like, thinking and logistics that go into that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, obviously... 2020 a lot of festivals had to basically abandon all hope of any kind of music events going ahead you know they had to completely disregard any of the work they had done up to that point it was basically yeah. all you know gone dead as a dodo. though the only thing they could do is salvage obviously what lineups they had and try and roll them over to the following year uh this year and um yeah so I mean, I was just kind of thinking to myself, like, well, we're at a point in the world right now with COVID where we've got we've now got three vaccines, three vaccines, which uh, 
is positive. Yeah, some uh, you got to take the positives, uh, especially with the current situation. So that's uh, some good news at least. Yeah, um, I mean, again, you know, trying to keep that optimism up. I'm, I'm sort of hopeful that uh, with, with the free vaccines we now have available for use and the rollout. I mean, who's to say? But within say March time, that we will be in a completely different state uh, in terms of things we can do and things that we can't do. Um, but there was a worrying article that I did come across. <laughs> now, um, a lot of spokespeople for these festivals, so you name it, the big ones. So we're talking about Reading, Leeds, Glastonbury, all of the huge yeah, main. The ones that people are hoping to get back to. Yeah, I as mean, soon they're, as they're, they can. Yeah. exactly. I mean, they're like, you know, the, the, the massive festivals. Uh, so th- this article was essentially just about the logistics of them going ahead. Um I mean, it's obviously going to be about the big hitters. I mean, I don't think Bloodstock's going to be in any of these articles anytime soon. No, because for the most part, Bloodstock is an independently run festival. And then when people think of a rock and metal festival in the UK, they think of Download, because that's the one which always gets its name put out there. And then, as you said, the other festivals as well, like Reading and Leeds and Glastonbury. Yeah, I mean, well, the thing is, you take it with a pinch of salt, because, I mean, regardless, I mean, they're all festivals. So, I mean... The same yeah. rules that are going to apply for Reading as they would Bloodstock. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it seemed to have been that there's a lot of discussion around uh, the the decisions they need to make, whether or not they need to make them early on uh, to prevent any kind of further loss of money. So, for example, there was this article that was suggesting that the organisers of these big festivals kind of need to make a decision quite early on this year as to whether or not they can or can't go ahead yeah because um realistically the 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 sort of later you leave it i'd imagine that the more costs that's going to incur yeah Um, and it's quite it's quite scary when you think about the situation we're in currently where it's like well who knows where we're going to be in several months time so it's a big decision for them to make yeah exactly um so I mean, I was going to ask you, I mean, realistically, how confident do you feel in terms of live event, not just festivals, but live events in general, making any kind of leeway of a, of a resurrection, if you like? I think for the first half of this year, I think nothing's going to happen because based on the situation we're in now and how long it is going to take for the vaccine rollout all going well, touch wood, it goes as planned. I think it's going to take quite a while for it to get to a stage where we can do it. The latter half of this year, I think, has got a bit more of a chance. So let's say come to like October, November, maybe even December, I think that's got a bit more of a, a chance of at least something happening. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree to a certain extent. I mean, as much as it pains me to say, because, you know, we've all been neglected the live experience for so long now. I mean, it, yeah. it's coming up to almost a year since I last saw a, a live event um yeah same for me as well Come yeah i think it, uh, absolutely think it must have been i think it was february sort of end of february the last time i saw a live event but um yeah it's 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 hard to say i guess because although we all are hoping to have them back as soon as possible um the reality is is that although you know we love that live environment we love watching live events um realistically you can't have those go ahead if you've obviously got a pandemic 
yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's you know gonna basically kill off uh sadly a lot of old, older people you know i mean it's just not yeah you got to put them first understandably um i mean I, I think at this point a lot of these festival organizers are kind of looking to get the um the contingency of a, like an insurance package so if in the event that it does go sideways then at least they are kind of covered for uh, any kind of financial loss um I mean, supposedly the uh, the government have backed an insurance package for the film and television industry of like 500 million, supposedly. So, yeah, it's a lot. Um, and again, I mean, uh, TV and film are essential for your mental health. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, I've been binge watching all sorts of bollocks like for the past you know six months because yeah, you know, I mean, because we haven't been able to do much. I was just like, fuck no. it, stay indoors, stick on Netflix. Yeah, TV. yeah. Exactly. So uh, you do kind of hope that um, some of those insurance packages maybe get put towards the music industry. Uh, yeah, just, I hope so. You know, you would hope to prevent further losses. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm kind of, again, in the same boat as you there, Barney, eh? uh, in terms of the the sort of music events coming back maybe towards the latter of the year, maybe September, the very, very earliest. Uh, but yeah, I think we can quite confidently say that festival season could be at risk again, once again, but yeah. I remain hopeful. You know, I do remain yeah. hopeful. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important and especially in these times to remain as optimistic as you can do, but I do agree with you on that where it's like, it's in a little bit of a danger zone. No Kenny mm. Loggins pun intended there, but we, it's not like, Oh, all of a sudden it's the new year. Everything's going to go back to normal. We're going to go ahead. No, it's yeah. going to be, a, it's going to be a tough road ahead. Well, that's but, kind of the, the, the thing where a lot of these individuals that, Oh, it's a, it's a new year. So, they immediately think that as soon as it becomes from 2020 to 2021, things are just going to immediately like snap back into being great again. But yeah, it's like sadly, there's, no, there's no hard reset button, I'm afraid. No, you just got to basically grin and bear it until uh, we are in a position where we can just, you know, get back to watching Five Finger Death Punch at Wembley. But we'll yeah, see. God. <laughs> oh, actually, I've got a little bit of news. So, Stephen, I'm guessing you've heard of the band Bad Wolves on the subject uh yeah that's um they did that uh, cranberries covered they in did, yeah so apparently the singer uh according to um yesterday an article melt sucks according tommy vexed out of bad wolves bad wolves vocalist tommy vex has left the band no way really so i think the, the five finger dust punch bros are going to be crying into their monster energy and uh bud lion or whatever the fuck it is they drink about that news considering they uh, basically right. are almost the same band because they sound so similar well don't um I mean, I don't know why we're talking about Five Finger Death Punch already. But, but, <laughs> That's great. Um, to start a podcast. We're talking about two of the most mainstream bands we can find. I know. This is like, <laughs> I think, that, aren't they managed by, um, what's his name? Is it Zoltan Baffery? Is that his name? Yeah, Zoltan Baffery. Yeah, the rhythm guitarist. Yeah. Yeah, He's he the manages one that, that band. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, yeah. That, that's, I, I didn't know that, mate. Well, that's, um, that's a shame. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't really. I like the cranberries. Yeah. That's probably the only thing I like about Bad Wolves: the fact yeah. that they have that, that association with the cranberries. Um, yeah, yeah, not my uh, not my cup of tea. But we'll yeah. we'll we'll uh, we'll learn our music tastes as this progresses. I feel. Yeah, we'll be coming <laughs> onto that a lot in the podcast about what we've um, what we like and what we dislike, and okay, yeah. the coming episodes as well. Exactly. Um, 
That's also another bit of uh, relative, well, not relatively, it is, it is crushing news, really. Um, R.I.P. Uh, Alexi Leo of Children. Yeah, I know. That was a massive shock to me when I woke up. I found a news. I found uh, it was a few yeah. days ago, wasn't it? It was. Um, well, I think he passed away on the 3rd of January and then it became public uh, a few days later. But yeah, that, I would, that was out of nowhere. I could not believe. Yeah. And he was only 41 as well. That's the scary it, thing about it ridiculous like that that's no age whatsoever to go but that um yeah like uh, thing is with Bodum is that um i always dipped in and out because i i loved i mean i love children of Bodum. um their last record they did uh was it called hex i believe it was called hex yeah um, i think so yeah yeah i mean <clears throat> the thing is with bottom is that they they had um a bit of a patchy discography really i mean they like they had some fucking incredible albums. Like, uh, I loved, uh, I mean, are you dead? Wet? Are you dead yet? Was great. Uh, hate crew, death roll. Oh, hate crew, death roll. Definitely. Uh, follow yeah. the reaper. That was another good run. Uh, yeah, that's uh, great. Um, and yeah, hex their last album, which was incredible. I, I just thought that was such a return to form because they had a period in between. I think it was, I think it was blood drunk. And then they had another album after that. And then another album after that. And uh, it just seemed like they were kind of struggling in a way to sort of uh, struggling for ideas. You know, it just seemed like every every record was just sounded the same and it had the same ideas. Yeah. And it was just like a repetitive. Yeah. Uh, it was another one of these songs, another one of these songs. But uh, the last album, Hexed, was it was great. It was it reminded me of um, quite the sort of like the earlier stuff where it was just it was so immediate and like you, you press play and then it wouldn't fuck around. There would be like a, a four minute, three minute banger and then it would be next. And it's just like, there wouldn't be any, uh, fast arsing around, you know? Yeah. Back to some sort of like consistency of their earlier material. Yeah, it was great. And, um, obviously it goes about saying, but obviously Alexi Leo was just incredible talent. You know, he's incredible. Oh yeah. Player. Yeah. I mean, he's uh, one of the guitarists, which has inspired the next generation of, uh, metal players, I think, because he is mm. one of the virtuosos of this modern day, especially when it comes to the metal metal world of guitar playing at the very least. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember seeing children of Bowden for the first time was in Cardiff when they were supporting Slipknot and Machine Head. Yeah. Oh God, that's a banger of a lineup. Uh, it was it, it it was it was an incredible show. I mean, it, this was I want to say it was two thousand and eight. I think it was two thousand and eight. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I, this was at a point where I was first kind of dipping my toe into the extreme metal side of things. I mean, I, at the time, I think I would have been about what was I like? Seventeen, yeah. you know, and I—I I, I mean, I—I was—I was a grunge kid. I mean, I grew up on like shit like Nirvana and Pearl Jam, and and uh, to yeah. me, they were good gateways. And um, eventually, I sort of made my way onto heavier things, such as you know Slipknot and all the big, big sort of bands that were heavy at the time. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, and, and my it was my first time seeing uh, Slipknot, Machine Head, and Bodum, and. Um, yeah, it was an incredible gig, and I remember just like being as close as you could get, right at the barrier when uh, Bowden came on as the opening band. Yeah, and um, they were great. I mean, I, I remember looking behind me at one point, and uh, there was just this massive, massive fucking circle pit, and I was just like, "Well, that looks fun," and uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> it was like it was kind of like 
they were my introduction to a lot of like the uh, the circle pitting and the wall of deaths and like you know the, the stuff you get at yeah now. Uh, coincidentally, um, I got a lot of that when I first saw Machine Head at the Hammersmith Apollo back in 2015. So that was oh, like, wow. that was my introduction to like fuck it. Davidian came on. I was like fuck it, I'm gonna jump right in. This seems like a great idea. And <laughs> since oh, then, I haven't it. looked you back. Get punched in the face. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i mean uh, i i can't um i can't emphasize how much of a talent and fucking amazing uh individual alexi leho was yeah. so uh obviously our thoughts are with uh you know his bandmates and his family and yeah what what an absolutely shitty way yeah, to absolutely. uh to start the year with having uh with having that happen yeah setting the tone for 2021 obviously that did. wow let's hope not Let's try and remain <laughs> optimistic, shall we, Barnaby? Oh, I know, you never know, I know, mate. I know. You know. I think it's just because I now just realised that I had the opportunity to see them because they played at Bloodstock 2019, Bodum, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, they headlined Bloodstock. Um, like, this was going back, like, the really... I think they headlined Bloodstock. They, 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 this is going back to the really, really early years of Bloodstock when they wouldn't have, like, huge bands, but... Um, they decent-ish ones. Uh, yeah, I mean, if I remember rightly, they headlined Bloodstock, I think it would have been like 2008 or seven. It was like really, really early. Yeah. Oh, that was probably back when I was a wee nipper. So I would have been 11, or 11 to 12 years old at the time. I would have been. Jesus Christ. I just like, that makes me realize how old that makes me feel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it would have been on, oh, when was it? That's annoying. It's 2000 and, um, 2010, was it? Yeah, it was 2010 they headlined it. Oh, okay. So it was that, oh, wasn't okay. that long a bit ago. Later. A bit later then. 10 years ago. No, 11 years ago now. Fuck me. What, Where geez, time what am I talking about? It was a while ago. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, moving swiftly on. So um, we thought as it's pretty early on in the, uh, you know, the new year, there's not a great deal of new albums that uh, currently lined up so we thought that we would actually pick uh, a few of the highlights from 2020 because 2020 uh, despite it being a disgusting horribly shit year uh, for life in general music wise yeah, I thought it was great I thought there were some albums that came out that were absolutely fucking incredible yeah. there were a lot of really good albums out in 2020 thinking like Lamb of God had the new album which was surprisingly good I wasn't expecting that one to be great personally because that was the first one they did, did without Chris Adler but it was surprisingly mm. good I'm not going to lie Hatebreed had a new album fucking absolutely loved yeah. that well I was going to ask I mean before because we've, we've each kind of picked a record um, from last year that we were going to talk about um but obviously kind of spunked it now but were there any albums that that caught your eye outside of the one that you picked or uh, like you say you mentioned Hatebreed and Lamb of God were there any others in particular that st stood out for you I think besides those ones I not really to be yeah. honest actually I think that one that definitely stood out was uh, Hatebreed definitely yeah. especially how they've been so consistent with like okay they don't change their formula we know that for a fact but they managed to have they have such a good formula where it's like even if it starts to sort of blend into one the records are still going to be amazing i absolutely love the new hatebreed record hatebreed uh, I, I i love hatebreed um i think what the thing is with hatebreed is that they're at a point like you say where every album does sound the same let's be honest yeah um but 
it doesn't matter regardless of what album you put on it's always going to give you that set that feeling of just adrenaline put your fist through a fucking wall like it's the perfect yeah raw sheer motivation basically exactly (laughs) if if you listen if you put a hate breed record on and you just don't want to like run through a fucking plane of glass or something then there really is something wrong with you um but yeah like as you say the hate breed record was great i mean for me personally uh i loved i loved the new trivium record yeah the dead men say oh that's another one as well i completely forgot to mention that oh absolutely Uh, that that was just like i thought trivium like they because they even the album before that the sin and sentence uh, i thought that was an incredible uh return to form like because they they had a few albums that were a bit eh. yeah uh, yeah i will agree to that still okay but not as good as what they should be yeah what was that was it what was that one um they had before in the sentence oh, silence it? of the snow that was it yeah i thought that was a... i didn't like that like i, I honestly for the most part the instrumentals were quite good i just felt like because matt heafy wasn't screaming because i think he damaged his voice or something like that so he couldn't yeah. do any screams on that record it just yeah. felt like it was missing a little bit of something and i think at the time they didn't have the current drummer they had matt madeira who now drums for mm-hmm. 402 from ashes to new and okay. his drumming's good i do like it but i feel like the new drummer had so much aggression and technique so that's why uh-huh. that's why the past two records have been absolutely oh for my use the term god tier yeah i mean it's ridiculous like the the the, the pure the, just the level of uh of expectation because when i um when i heard the sin in the sentence i i honestly figured wow it's, it's just going to be trivium doing another ploddy sort of boring yeah middle of the road album and then as soon as i I, I actually the, I first got introduced to it by watching the video because the, the music video for the Sin and Sentence is like the kind of Last Supper. It's really cool. It basically, yeah, like, I did like that theme. Um, yeah, that was really cool. And I just thought, well, the song's actually fucking amazing as well. Because as you say, he feeds back to doing his uh, his screaming and yeah, um, you know the riffs are back, and um, you know that led me on to listen to the album, and then the album turned out to be incredible. So I was like, I'm well back on board with Trivium now. I, yeah, I absolutely. fucking, like, you know, I'm a sucker. I love Ascendancy and I, you know, I love all the old school shit, but yeah. uh, I, it, nothing made me happier when, uh, when I heard the cinema sentence and they yeah. were back to doing that really good fucking you know, yeah, stuff that exactly. they used to do. I was mainly happy um, that the seven-string guitars became more predominant with the last two records because my favorite Trivium, my favorite classic Trivium album is uh, Shogun. I love oh, this industry as well, yeah. but Shogun is my all-time favorite, and that made me an absolute sucker as a guitarist. The seven-string guitars, mm. like the techniques, and so much using that extra string to so much good effect. Yeah. So the fact that that came back more often on the sin in the sentence of what the dead men say, and the riffs and the solos were just absolutely biblical. Off the scale. Yeah. yeah, it's it's off the scale. I mean, um, the fact that Trivium just have this ability now to just shit out incredible record one after the other, because there wasn't a great deal of um, time between the cinema sentence and what the dead men say. Um, there wasn't, no, you're right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to look now at their... Because um, the cinema uh, sentence came out in 2017, if I remember correctly, didn't it? Uh, yes, yes, because I remember reviewing it. Um at the time and i yeah that's when i basically just lost my mind over it but um yeah so i mean 2017 to um you know what 20 2020 is really not that 
great deal of period of time between them both when you consider that they obviously toured the cinema sentence as well they did um, yeah i remember seeing uh, them at, i remember seeing them at brixton it, the lineup was uh i think it was venom prism power trip where i just mentioned r.i.p riley gale who unfortunately yeah. lost his life last year yeah and code orange which we'll get yeah. who we'll get onto a bit in this episode actually and trivium and oh god they were amazing yeah I, I saw them on the same tour, not at Brixton, but I, I went to go see them in Bristol. And uh, yeah, mate, it, it was it was off the scale. I mean, th- that band have just got to a point now where uh, yeah, they're, they're back in a position, I think, where for, for a long time, Trivium were one of those bands that were being sort of um, regarded as like, you know, this band is going to do things like they're potentially going to be the future of like headlining download and doing all yeah. these huge things. Yeah. Um, and obviously where they had a couple of patchy albums that kind of it fell through for them but i think yeah, I that, love it. yeah they're in a position now where you know if they can make another album as good as uh the sin of the sentence or what the dead men say then i can't see any of a reason why that band can't be doing arenas you know and potentially going on to headline bigger bigger festivals yeah i'll totally uh, agree absolutely because i could totally yeah. see them headlining download one day like in their own right. Mm. Oh, definitely. I mean, like <laughs> the funny thing is, is that I imagine if, cause can you think like for years and years and years and years, five think we're back at talking at five finger death. Sorry, <laughs> but we're back, we're back to again. that band. We're back at, to that band again. But for years, five finger death punch have been the band that have been basically rumored to ne- be the next headliners of download festival. Um, if I'm not, mistaken i think ivan moody their singer basically said to a crowd in wembley when they headlined it like we are going to headline download festival <laughs> so like not only are, are like the the tremors of it in the music and in, music industry like even the band themselves are saying no we're going to headline that festival that is big in your country and i was like yeah. oh, okay fair enough you keep you keep saying that and um i'm just i think i'm at a point now where trivium like could possibly release another incredible album tour off the back of it and then get to a point where they are sizable enough to possibly do that download again like headline it yeah before five finger death punch even have a foot in the door when it comes to getting you know uh, a headline slot <laughs> but, yeah oh that'd be priceless yeah absolutely uh, <laughs> i mean don't get me wrong i mean five finger death punch at download would be great i think yeah, I'd go. Yeah. I'd go and see them for their earlier stuff because I do. I do like their earlier material, like the first two albums, even the actually the first three albums. I did. I do really enjoy. That was back yeah. before they really became the commercial chugger chugger monster energy machine that they have become today. <laughs> Put your fist through drywall. Yeah. Yeah. I you know. I know. But um, let's stop talking about Five Finger Death Punch because. Um... Yeah, I don't know why we're, we're so focused on that band, really. <laughs> well, you're wearing a Five Finger Death Punch t-shirt, that's why. <laughs> I've got my Insight t-shirt on today. <laughs> oh, it's the Monster Energy wristbands, then. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so as we were saying, I mean, Trivium had an incredible album out last year. Um, also, uh, who else was I going to mention that had a really good... Ghostmane. I don't know if you've heard of Ghostmane. I've heard their name flowing about, but I haven't listened to them. How would you describe them to me? <laughs> we we should we should we should talk about his album because Ghost Main 
uh for anyone who doesn't know who he is and anyone that does know who he is they're probably like what the fuck he's like um he's like a rapper basically right now i appreciate you're probably not au fait with um rappers at all barnaby the old school the old school stuff like biggie smalls tupac i do enjoy that stuff but the way hip-hop yeah. has gone currently with you know the money bitches whatever so, mumble uh, rap basically like takashi 69 and lil pump that just really enrages me to be honest but the old school stuff i do enjoy yeah and you like a bit of machine gun kelly too let's be honest a little bit of that yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so ghost main he, he's a rapper he started out as, as like a soundcloud uh rapper putting up bits and pieces and um he kind of splices because because Ghostman himself he's like a fan of rap as much as he is a fan of industrial metal and, and black metal and and he basically fuses all of these elements together so you've got the industrial style of nine inch nails you've got like the crushing nature of like uh, a black metal band and then you've got obviously him rapping over the top of it and yeah. um all of it sort of sandwiched together it just makes this like really unique uh just this really unique sound and like uh he had an album out um not long ago actually um i think it was had to have been about october i want to say um it was called anticon and uh yeah i I can't recommend it enough mate because that that album was just literally on uh on repeat spin whenever i was uh locked in the house yeah well for most of the time as we all were (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly um so yeah I, I, again i i can't recommend um i can't recommend that album enough because that was that was brilliant um but moving on uh as i say so we actually picked two records particularly that we wanted to uh talk about um so barney would you care to tell us the album that you chose so the album I chose was another one which I haven't mentioned until this point because I wanted to save it, and that one was Unconquered by uh, the ca- Canadian death metal band uh, Cataclysm. Ah, uh, that's a good pick. I mean, should add that we've we've obviously each listened to um, you know each other's picks, um, but Cataclysm. Should we just start off with them? I feel that we should yeah, sort of. Yeah, uh, I think that's a good shout. Dive yeah, straight absolutely. in. Yeah. So as you say, Cataclysm, a, a death metal band uh, from Canada. Yeah um i mean with cataclysm i i i'd be honest with you i'm um i wouldn't say that i'm au fait with much of their stuff i remember i saw them live back in 2016 when they were i think they were on of ghosts and gods at the time yeah oh, yeah yeah and uh i, I mean that's a great record i remember oh, listening yeah. to that at the Absolutely. time and um yeah the, the world is a dying insect just that uh, it was incredible. I love that. Yeah, that. yeah. But, the entire um, album from start to finish is amazing. I still think my favorite off that is the Black Sheep, just because it turns yeah. it has a death metal soundtrack with such inspirational lyrics, and I feel like yeah. that's a song that he can get you through the darkest of days. That song. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this is a record that was out on um, Unconquered, so to say, was out on September twenty fifth of twenty twenty. Um, so again, I mean, I. I mean, I, I kind of dip in and out, so I'll be honest with you. I did not know that Cataclysm had a record out last year. Um, but listening to this record, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I got to say, I mean, um, okay, good. The thing is with Cataclysm is that they've got that traditional death metal sound. You know, I mean, it's basically just 
uh how do i describe it i mean if, if you kind of had to sum up death metal <laughs> i mean it's fast drums fast guitars <laughs> cookie, cookie cutter uh, yeah. <laughs> um, exactly and they That's and they do that accurate. incredibly well i mean they're really good at it um one thing I found is that the singer uh, Maurizio Lacano is that how I pronounce that right? I think so. Yeah, I really. If he ever listens to this one day, we do apologise for butchering your name. If we have. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> you're very optimistic, Barnaby. I got to say, um, I got to be optimistic this year. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that he was incredible. Like the way that um, he pronounces uh, words. Like I mean, a lot of death metal vocalists like i just said they're very kind of uh hit and miss a lot of the time a lot of them are yeah. just like cookie cookie monster <laughs> like you can't yeah, really just you just sort of get lost in it a little bit it's like what the fuck is this guy even singing about you know yeah um but with, with him in particular i find him to be very kind of uh he's very clear um you know you, you can pick out what the guy is without obviously sounding shitty I don't have to look at a lyric sheet whenever I listen to Cataclysm because I can just sit back and I can uh, take it in. You know, yeah, it's it's, it's not distorted noise, um, which I love. But I, I just like that with uh, him in particular, he's got a really kind of um, David Vincent-esque uh, thing about his voice. Uh, David Vincent, Morbid, Morbid Angel, should I say, where... yeah the way that he pronounces phrases and stuff, he, he's got like a real kind of... Um, he, he puts a real emphasis on on uh, certain things. Um, Kill shot, the first song on the records. As oh, soon God. as uh, sledgehammer to the face, that song. Mate, you may as well be reading my notes because that's basically uh, what I put here. It was just so immediate and so like packs a punch. Yeah, uh, you know, it's just incredible. Like yeah. blast beats, heavy guitars, you name it. It's, yeah. it's got one it all. Thing, yeah, one thing I think I will add actually is that, and this is the first record I think, I um, mean, I I could be wrong, where they've used, um, I think they're using a tuner lower than B standard because most of their previous material was always in uh, B standard on six string guitar and four string bass. And I think this is the mm. first time possibly ever that they've gone to, I think the guitar's using a seven or an eight string in uh, F sharp standard. And mm. the bassist is using a five string in the same shoes. So they just made it so much heavier by down tuning it and then adding all the ingredients which they have in their previous records. Mm. Oh, well, there we go. There's one for uh, guitar fans there to uh, yeah. <laughs> keep an ear open for. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's great. I mean, it's just death metal 101, isn't it, really? I mean, it's yeah, just, yeah, uh, absolutely. You, you can't go, you can't press, like, go into this and uh, and not be impressed if you're, you know, if you're a death metal fanatic um one thing i will say is that um i mean the thing is with a lot of records like this is that they do get a bit repetitive at times like for me personally what would happen is i would get through to um you know i, I would get through to well track six or seven and then i would sort of I'll get a bit lethargic because I would sort of feel like, oh, okay, well, you've, you've kind of done this trick already on the past couple of songs. Um, yeah. I was, I was more than happy when um, Icarus, uh, Icarus Falling came along uh, because Icarus Falling, I uh, don't know what track it is on the record actually, but it's, it's sort of towards the latter end of the record. Yeah. Um, when that track came in and it opens with this, um, this sort of like this this piano refrain that 
comes and goes throughout the song. I was just so kind of happy that it was like, oh, that's something a bit different there. Um, you know, it's, it's not sort of like you go to the song and then it's all out savagery for like five or six minutes. Uh, this song kind of takes its time. It, it, it's got like this piano refrain, as I say, that gradually kind of sucks you in. And uh, and then the song, again, just turn, it does eventually turn into that traditional death metal kind of grab you by the throat, swing you around the room. Yeah, uh, exactly. But I, I just quite like that there was something a bit different um, in comparison to like the, the six tracks before it, you know? Uh, was there any like particular ones that stood out for you in terms of the track listing on this one? Was there any ones that, uh, that you found? Yeah, I think the one that stands out to me the most is Defined, because that I found to be the heaviest track on the record, and it's also got the most technical riffs, I think. That's the one I enjoyed the most, but I enjoyed all it's the It's heavy, but it's melodic at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's my favorite one. That's one that stood out to me as well. And Underneath the Scars as well, that was another one I really enjoyed. Because the riff and the guitar tone on that is absolutely biblical. I was about to literally bring that song up, because uh, I've got to say, that's got to be my favorite one, I think. Uh, underneath the scars it's got like this um it's got the again the traditional heaviness but it's got this chorus which is so catchy it's just like uh it's got a really kind of sing-along chorus to it yeah uh, yeah i was just about to mention that it took the words right out of my mouth yeah and it's like you can picture like if, if they were to i mean they will play it live eventually you hope but <laughs> um you could just picture like that live just being a really good kind of fists in the air kind of like uh sing-along moment yeah but, exactly um, i'll agree to that yeah i thought it was it was a good record um it's a good pick barnaby i mean uh like i say people will learn that i mean with my musical tastes uh, I, I like things to be cons i mean i like consistency but also i don't mind you know, chucking in the old kind of like curveball here and there, like, oh, what the fuck? Where did that come from? Yeah, something just to keep the listener on their toes and make it a bit more interesting. It can go a long way when used correctly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, which I feel is a good kind of segue into my pick. Uh, unless there's anything else that you want to uh, mention about the Cataclysm record album there? I feel like we've covered it all, to be honest, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, overall, really solid record. Definitely one that made my year. Slightly, yeah. at least slightly better <laughs> yeah cataclysm they're very very good um right well uh speaking of things that throw curveballs and keep you on edge uh we come to my pick which is a band called code orange um now again a lot of people may not necessarily know but uh code orange started off as a uh, a band called code orange kids and then eventually it just got shortened to uh to code orange um they are a hardcore band formed in Pittsburgh, pennsylvania and um code orange i had no idea code orange are a band that like uh i had no knowledge of whatsoever up until about 2016 i believe um which was the release of their record forever uh now i i had some friends at the time that were banging on about code orange like blah 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 they're like the next yeah. big thing they're the next big thing and like <laughs> you find where where you got these bands that have this hype that surrounds them uh a lot of the time it, it doesn't live up to the hype you know i mean it, yeah sadly yeah i mean I, I remember uh king 810 like they were a band that were championed by 
all of these big kind of music outlets uh, they're on magazines they were on the internet you couldn't escape it they were you know the the huge next big thing and then you look at where they are now and you, people don't even know that they've had albums that have come and gone and you know they basically just been completely ignored but code orange um yeah again they were they were kind of being championed as this like next big thing and i was like okay yeah well i'll give we'll it a try we'll see how it goes and um so i i, I mean i i picked up forever um they've also got uh an album prior to forever called um i am king um but yeah anyway so i i thought i would go in on forever because this was the one that was being talked about and uh i put it in and uh I, I honestly thought that I was uh, I was kind of having some kind of aneurysm or some kind of uh, medical emergency. Yeah. Because um, forever was something that like it was it was I've never heard anything like it basically. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Forever Barnaby. If you, if you, I mean, if I you, what, what's to... your, what do you know about Code Orange? Sorry, I should start. So I listened to a bit of it. I'm not a, the most familiar Code Orange listener, I might add, but I've seen, yeah. I saw them live supporting Trivia, and I thought, amazingly, even though the music is not entirely my cup of tea, ama- live they were absolutely incredible. Like mm. they're one of yeah. the bands which I've never seen such an unprecedented energy on stage. Like they mm. lit the entire venue up. So live, I absolutely love them. We'll, we'll we'll get to them uh, live especially in a moment but um yeah so uh, again code orange i i wasn't familiar with them whatsoever uh, i mean i like hardcore music um you know I'm, as you say we were only just mentioned about hate breed and how really you yeah. know, how consistently good hate breed are yeah exactly uh, another one i might want to add is terror uh, one of my favorite hardcore records is uh keepers of the faith which i believe came out in 2010 <clears throat> that's a banging yeah. hardcore record perfect yeah i mean a uh, turnstile uh, oh, the turn list style, goes on yeah that's another good one I, I yeah I'm, I'm a sucker for hardcore but um you know I love hardcore music as much as I love death metal and and heavy shit and um I'm also a very very uh avid horror fan as well you know I love horror films I'm a I'm a I collect all this shit as well yeah. you see behind me you know I, I love it so this was kind of just a meeting of worlds that worked so well with forever because as soon as I put it on it was just like the soundtrack to the most fucked up dark horror film you could imagine whilst also being the most heaviest darkest hardcore mishmash you could think of it had like scratchy electronics it had uh these weird sort of under these weird like uh layers to it it was just honestly mate i I couldn't describe what i was hearing uh and slowly but surely code orange just became this phenomenon that you know i I, i've not been able to stop listening to the band ever since and this was you know good uh five five years ago now yeah Uh, yeah, you know um so i obviously i I was chomping at the bit to see what they were going to do following forever because it was such a weird it's just a weird fucked up record i loved it uh, and then along comes underneath at the uh, very beginning of uh, of the pandemic. So they brought out underneath a week before, I think it was either a week, the week of or a week before the whole country got locked down in the very first lockdown. Um, so 
I had it on. I had it pre-ordered on vinyl. It came, and thirteenth uh, of March was when it came out. The official release date. Yeah, so it's probably right <laughs> at the start of the pandemic. That's when it got dropped. Yeah, it, it, mate, it was literally the same week that everything got locked down. The uh, the vinyl arrived in the post, and uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, again, I, I was so eager just to put it on. I literally dropped whatever I was doing, ran up, stuck it on, and. Um, I'll get your take on it first. I mean, what did you think when you first, when you put this on, like from, from yeah. the beginning to end? Yeah. So I, I have indeed listened to it for the podcast and um, I found it very interesting, actually. I'm going to go into um, my notes here. So I think when it starts off, obviously, with uh, Deeper Than Before, which I found like really interesting because it's such a short and atmospheric and it builds up to something. And then <laughs> it jumps straight into Swallowing the Rabbit Hole, which is a track I actually... <laughs> did enjoy very much and i found the use of um because it uses a little bit of keys uh keys somewhere in the song i think and i added a little bit of like interesting atmosphere to it so it's like it was definitely i could tell it was hardcore but it's like hardcore with like added twists in it which i found to be quite interesting and for the most part i've really enjoyed yeah uh, it's like uh this is the thing with code orange is that they do a lot of the tricks that hardcore bands do but they basically put it through this weird filter of like having all these fucking crazy electronics they have these scratchy like left sharp turns you just don't know what what they're going to do next yeah it's kind of the unpredictability of it so as you say swallowing the rabbit hole starts off with this um this sort of weird sort of keyboard uh these like single keyboard notes and uh and there's just obviously this like weird drum beat over the top of it yeah and then all of a sudden it just builds and builds and builds and it just fucking bursts and it and then it's just it's just crazy it just it it goes all over the place um the the music video as well is the perfect accompaniment to it so if if i would suggest anything mate i would check out the video for swallowing the rabbit hole yeah uh, because it it makes a lot of sense when you watch the video along with the song um especially with like the glass breaking sort of samples over it yeah um and then you've got in fear which i've mate, if you listen to in fear if you're on a treadmill <laughs> <you're> <laughs> i can see where you're going with this one uh i mean I, I i can't i can't sort of do it any justice but it's just in fear is just such a weird sort of choppy chaotic song i i honestly mate it's just incredible um and then like you, you just like as the record progresses do you notice a pattern where every song kind of is different has its own little uh thing in some sense so you know you've got obviously a lot of songs here where for example the easy way so the easy way is kind of just like a club rager you know it's like uh yeah you can just imagine like that being in like a a night out at like fucking you know, voodoo slime like whatever whatever's your local like you know dance or what used to be your local dance club or yeah, whatever. not anymore <laughs> dance club rock club <laughs> fuck me um and it's just got such a weird weird kind of uh identity with every song you know everyone every every single thing's different um it's all got its own identity um i mean the, the singles that came off this record was the last song on the the album called underneath yeah 
which is kind of like the most melodic one, I'd say. Um, Because, you know, it's got Reba who does the the sort of clean singing throughout a lot of it. And then you've got Jamie Morgan over the top that does the occasional uh, screams. But yeah, I mean, I I love this, mate. I mean, I honestly, I, I like the thing is with Code Orange is that they're so different to a lot of the bands that are uh, out there at the moment. I mean, I, I can't think of anybody that sounds like Code Orange. Oh, I can't either. And I think that's the good thing about them is like they are truly in a league of their own. And we definitely yeah. need to have more bands like that, I think. Well, this is the problem because, I mean, when, when you listen to, I mean, this isn't a, a negative thing about Cataclysm, but you remember when I was saying about how you get a few tracks in and then I just get a bit kind of like, okay, well, are you going to do anything that's uh, a bit different to the past couple of tracks that you've done? Yeah. No, absolutely. I do agree with you. I, and I'm saying, yeah. this as a ma- I'm saying this as a massive death metal fan. I absolutely yeah. see where you're coming from on that. It just seems like there's like this um, formula with a lot of heavy music where, you know, it has to have this in order for it to be heavy. Whereas a band like Code Orange, they they think of different ways to uh, to give you that feeling. You know, they they think of different yeah. ways to get that adrenaline in you, and and that's what I love about it. It's just such a creative and weird aspect to uh, attacking you in it, like a different way, as opposed to the traditional you know cataclysm like cannibal corpse death metal you know yeah like deicide or more uh, yeah or... yeah you know it's just it's just a different way to um to give you that that sense of uh of danger if you like you know i mean let, let's be honest i mean the, the whole attraction to the heavy music side of things is to give you that release you know like you, you can't obviously go out and scream in people's faces and you know swing your fists around without getting arrested whereas you know, heavy music's a good sort of outlet for that. You know, you put a fucking death metal album on and you get on a treadmill or do some weights and you're just like, oh, it's fucking, you know, it gives you it's, that release. It gets you that adrenaline out. Or when you've done, you feel like, oh, fuck me. I feel like a new person. I feel refreshed. I feel happy. Mm, exactly. Um, yeah, so I, I, I can't recommend Code Oranges underneath enough. Um, they've been doing, uh, obviously, where we're living in like a... a a post i say a post lockdown we're, we're, we're back in lockdown yeah they've been keeping themselves busy during the period where you know bands would initially be touring once they release a new record you know they, they would go out and play as many shows as they can but where a lot of bands have, have don't have that ability um code orange have been one of the people that have been doing these live stream shows and they've been obviously keeping themselves busy with all these different ways. Uh, people can obviously, uh, listen to them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Uh, I mean, has Cataclysm done any live streams or is that, um, don't think they have. And I think the last gig, they probably, one of the last gigs I think they did with them was MTV headbangers ball in London, which I went to see amazing show. And that was in, yeah. Early December, 2019. I think that was one of the last shows they did. If I remember correctly. Blimey. So they, they haven't played a show even since before the, well, in this country, at least they haven't yeah. done a show since my, before the, COVID. Yeah, to the best part of my knowledge. Yeah. I don't know if they did anything in the first part of 2020 before COVID went tits up. Oh, uh, right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, I, I, I kind of feel that live streaming's now become part of the, 
it's not going anywhere it's not going anywhere any anytime soon let's put it that way i mean i think live streams are going to kind of be the way that we have to enjoy live music moving forward for the foreseeable future at least until you know we're at a point where it's safe to start having live events again yeah, but, for the foreseeable uh, future yeah i will agree yeah uh, but Code Orange have been doing uh, quite a few of them. And, and what I love about it is, it, it, again, it just flexes those creativity muscles where every live stream's different. Like they've done a uh, MTV style unplugged uh, stripped down versions. I mean, all of these songs, you know, you know, quite a few of them on the new album, they've kind of done these alternative versions of them where they're acoustic, um, which again, I can't recommend it's kind of done in, in like a headbangers ball sense. Like they had like this yeah. whole, they called it mud TV. Um, and where it's like, they have all got their, uh, old school sort of, um, headbangers ball style, uh, aspect to it. You know, it's, it's, just, it's cool as fuck basically. And, um, you know, they, they've done all, all these different live streams, so they're all different. Um, and I hope that, well, as much as it pains me, I mean, I I would love nothing more than to see this live. But um, for now, I guess the live streams are just kind of the only thing to hold on to, the closest thing to hold on to to hearing this live until we, we can, you know, obviously watch get to it. A get to a stage where we can do it, as you said. Yeah, exactly. Um, have you, what have you, I mean, in terms of live streams, have there been any that you have checked out or have you uh have you not bothered with the whole live stream uh, i haven't bothered for the most part i was tempted to check mm. out um trivium's live stream which i heard was absolutely amazing so yeah. uh, i was going to do that but unfortunately i had other commitments at the time because it was trivium and Silosis, and it looked absolutely incredible like they were yeah, a band yeah, that, that did it correctly yeah. um the other one i was tempted to do so to check out was the architects albert hall live stream mm. now i believe that some people really enjoyed it some others didn't so much no well I, I know exactly what you're talking about because um as as I said, Code Orange, with every live stream that they do, they try and make it a difference of a last. You know, so that they're they're getting creative with the way people uh absorb it, you know, that it's not just literally them on a stage with a backdrop and they play the songs. Um which from what I gather is what architects did uh at the Royal Albert Hall. Yeah. Um I mean, the thing is, is that a band like Architects, they're massive, you know, that they're, they're they got such a huge following now. Uh, and, you know, I'd assume that that then mean that entails that they also have a budget to back it up as well. You know, I mean, uh, a venue like the Albert Hall. Yeah, that can't have been cheap to to do that. Oh, God, no, <laughs> you know, I mean, Not let's be honest. The Albert Hall was a very prestigious venue with a capacity of like, what was it like five, five thousand, possibly more? I've no idea. Yeah, I can't remember. I think you're in the right ballpark. I can't remember the exact number, but it is, yeah. it's something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, it's a very, very big, big, prestigious venue. And I just feel that if you're going to do a live stream event with no crowd there, you could, to some degree, make it sort of do as much as you can with it rather than just have you know a backdrop and your band playing the songs um you know y you could maybe work with the venue a bit more make it a bit more kind of uh, engaging um yeah. 
because let's be honest live streaming events they're never going to really capture what it's like being you know at an actual show exactly they're never going to have the same <laughs> atmosphere like <laughs> i was going to make a joke about this but and you can't exactly um simulate someone launching a beer on the sound desk like what we had at machine head in a live stream <laughs> can you no unless you just get one of your mates or your dad to take a piss on your laptop and just be like, <laughs> oh wow do you want to just take a piss on my keyboard mate i mean it would be you know the same thing if like someone threw a beer at the sound desk um stop the show halfway through fucking death church that was bullshit that was bullshit yeah that, that was actually if i think back like Gigs that I last saw, because that was, when was that? Was that November? That was beginning November of November. 2019, yeah, the day after yeah. we saw Scarecrow. Yeah, so um, if I remember rightly, uh, I think other than uh, other than Free Teeth, who I saw in February before it all gone, it went crazy, I think that was probably the last show that I saw in 2019 as well, that Machine Head show. Yeah, I think that and MTV Headbangers Ball were the last two for me in 2019, and I saw Insight in Bournemouth in January 2020, yeah. and then the last show I had before everything went tits up was Sabaton at Wembley Arena in February. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Um, oh, well. Well, I mean, uh, I just hope that maybe, in a, you know, who knows? I mean, we, we just don't know at this point. It's a bit of a mystery. Yeah, in terms nobody, of, uh, nobody can events. say. But it's, yeah. it's good to remain as optimistic as you can. It will come back. It yeah. will come back. It will come back. And, uh, and you know, I for we'll one be, cannot wait. We'll, we'll all be back at shows paying 10 quid for a lukewarm beer and buying a T-shirt a for 35 quid and standing in line to get into the toilets. Well, if, if, if that doesn't want to make you get back to a live event, <laughs> then I, I don't know what will. <laughs> oh god i miss this so much i'll buy all the fucking like lukewarm carlsbergs and budweiser's when we go back to the o2 brixton again yeah yeah well you know you, you never know they might have like little soundboard keychains that are like broken in half just to represent uh you know people to not throw beers on sound desks but... exactly don't be a non <laughs> don't be a nonce and don't ruin the fucking show exactly uh all right well that about does it for uh, episode one of the uh rage in peace podcast aka the rip podcast uh thank you very much for uh checking us out and uh we will be back with you next week for uh more bollocks so thank you very much for listening and uh fare thee well goodbye for now how do i fucking stop recording <laughs> <laughs>